Hello, and welcome to a very dramatic Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. Wow, as I as I said over a text, I'm in a glass case of emotions. Never thought my, that was going to end that way. My clothes have been sweat through. <laughs> and my clothes are completely soaked. My palms are at maximum sweat. That was pretty oh. unbelievable. That was three games in one. We had the Eagles letting the Giants hang around, but with a comfortable 14-0 lead. And then I had texted you, wow, our secondary is playing really well with all the injuries. And then the sleeping Giants awoke and just started you ate you ate your words <laughs> oh, quickly yes and just started decimating the secondary uh marigos is a great special teams player but once he's in the game you know you're in trouble they just started annihilating us yeah he was awful but yeah he's not i guess we got we have to cut caleb sturgis now <laughs> well, I we go, found our kicker i don't go that far yet but man 61 yards to win the game crush that <laughs> but of course of course, uh, I was thinking, oh, Beckham's definitely taking this to the house. Oh, we all were thinking that. Every yeah. play I did the country was thinking <laughs> it's that. It's like, Peterson, no! You could just feel the tension of that stadium in the entire fourth quarter. Just It, you could just, it was palpable. Yeah, everyone was everyone was in a state of cardiac arrest. In the Especially when they go down 21-14. You know, kudos to Wentz to take them right back down the field. Especially the run game. The run game was effective all day. And that, <laughs> that, that pass interference call was, a little, I thought, a little suspect. Aikman thought it was the right call. I'm not so sure and then i just thought of this can you imagine merrill for that game-winning field goal call yeah he's probably still saying good he would he would his voice would have been more high-pitched than like a 12 year old on america's got talent he might be still saying good all the all these time letter it might not the call might not have end yet but we're like good yeah he's he's still going he's still going is what i'm saying like a latin american soccer announcer yeah exactly but with, with the perfect call of Merrill Reese, I would love to get that. I can't wait to hear that call. But wow, I mean, that like I said, that suspect pass interference call to get them in field goal range, and then uh, Jake Elliott hits that 46-yarder that I thought he was going to miss. I've, I've had no confidence in him until today. I've had no constant confidence in him for extra points. I've had no confidence in him for anything. And then a big stop from the defense who couldn't do it the entire fourth quarter. And then a miracle pass play to Alshon Jeffrey with a kind of long second there i thought the i thought it should have been triple zeros to be honest oh yeah the gods were on our side then and then like you said when uh odp came out you know there was every eagles fan was thinking he was gonna take it back to the house and we were gonna lose <laughs> i was like yeah he pee- he peed in the end zone he's just gonna pee on us again <laughs> so i mean what what a game what a game so much to talk about just just one more before we get into carson wentz ben mcadoo when when he gets up in the morning he's like all right I got the blue polo and the blue sweatpants and the utility belt. I look awesome. He has yes. the Andy Reid diet going on. He's got the Andy Reid. Like I told you during the uh, broadcast, I was like, Ben McAdoo looked like he just got out of his mom's basement for the first time in 10 years. Yeah, he, he, does, he, does, he does not look like a, a man that I would want to hang out with. So losing to him would have been really demoralizing. So who would you Thank rather have, who would you rather have as a coach, Doug Peterson or Ben McAdoo? Oh, definitely Dougie P. Well, there you go. So yeah. he's not as awful as you think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd rather. I'd actually. I'd rather have Dougie P. than Jason Garrett or uh, Ben McAdoo. So in the NFC East, he's you know at the close to the top of my list. And what about Jay Gruden? 
I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on Jay Gruden. Maybe I'd take Jay Gruden. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think Jay Gruden, Jim Schwartz combo pack would be pretty compelling. You love your Jim Schwartz. He he was you just blaming me on the injuries on the coaching in the second half. Yeah, yeah. You gotta give him the right groceries, Matt. Okay. All right. So the, the love fest of Jim Schwartz continues. Continues forever. And if you if you had any if you needed anything to show how uh, valuable Fletcher Cox is, it really showed when he went out. Fletcher yeah. Cox and Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks. Fletcher Cox, we have a high school secondary, or our safeties. I, I, the young corners, I thought, did decently well. Robinson and Roswell Douglas. Jalen Mills, poor bastard, was one-on-one with uh, Beckham like the entire second half. So well, Robinson's not a rookie, by the way. Robinson's Sorry, is, is he? Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, see, this is uh, just an ignoramus. But uh, I thought they held up well decently. I thought Rasul Douglas played a great game today, especially for a rookie coming in with that secondary. It wasn't him that was getting beat. And Jenkins, besides that one awful P.I. play, played really well. It's just their their entire defense has been decimated with injuries, and it finally caught up to him. And let's not forget, it was 90 degrees. Oh, my God. It looked I was miserable just looking at those guys. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much to take away from this game. Like I said, you can tell we're exhausted from just the emotion of it, going from the typical Eagles blowing this game. We'd already resigned ourselves to lose. I think every Eagles fan thought that game was over, 21-14. Then we tie it. Then they come right back down the field, make it 24-21. It's not looking good. And then, you know, a, a nice a nice drive again by Wentz to answer. You know, Wentz only uh, threw for 176 yards, but he showed a lot of heart today because he didn't have his A game today, and the Giants' defense was stifling him all game. So showed a lot of heart to even, you know, especially after we go down seven to, to come back twice to tie the game. And then, of course, the miracle 61-yarder. And, and for our listeners, Matt, you know, he kicks off every Sunday morning with a group text to our family, and he goes, I'm feeling pretty confident about this one. I was feeling yeah, great. I was feeling we all, great. We all fired great. back with, you're a moron. <laughs> you're an utter moron. Yeah. I, nothing to worry about. You should always trust my instincts <laughs> when according to plan. <laughs> Had it locked up the entire time. We'll we'll go back to our structure. Let's pivot to Wentz now. What's what's your hot, What's your take on, on Wentz's performance? It wasn't very good today. You know, that I think the... I agree. Yeah, the the one play where, you know, it really... That he still is t- having trouble with the deep ball. You know, Alshon Jeffrey in the first half, he's got his guys beat by two steps and he can't get him the ball. Yeah, second quarter, we're first and 10 from the Giants, 45. He misses Jeffrey wide open. And that's where we leave seven on the table there. And inexplicably, Peterson decides, we're going to go for it on fourth and eight here. Feel good about our guys. Fourth and eight and, from the Giants, 43. Yeah, the the first and 10 play that, that Wentz missed to Jeffrey was 45. And then I think we had a, a rush to the right with blunt that picked up two but we got bogged down on fourth and eight we decided to go for it and we should have that should have been a 14 point swing if the the giants offense could have hammered it in but that was seven points we left on the table and almost a, a 14 point swing easily yeah and a huge and a huge play by the defense to to hold them to nothing there that was a great goal line stand but then you know yeah like you said coming out of coming out of the half we get we dodge a bullet there because I agreed with all the fourth down uh, calls to go for it, except that fourth and eight. That just made no sense. And yeah, that, and on the, on the stat sheet, we were two for three on fourth down. We had two sneaks and that bad decision to go for it on fourth and eight. Yeah, and I think Aikman was very, very, very accurate to be critical of Peterson in that situation. I totally agreed with him. You see with Wentz, it's still development, but he didn't do any he didn't make any terrible throw this this week like he did the first two weeks. No terrible INT 
the turnover that was Ertz was all on Ertz. It was a good play by Wentz, and then uh, Ertz just fumbled the ball. But I forget the defender for the Giants made a really nice play on that. Well, so I guess. Um... Uh, well, I don't think so. I think he had a really bad miss on that play to Jeffrey, which was really decisive. Other than that, though, the the call sheet. I think Peterson had been listening to WIP all week. 193 rushing yards. I don't have the breakdown of of plays, but in the first half, we at one point were at 18 rush play calls to 12 pass, and uh, we were doing it by committee. We had Blunt. We had uh, Smallwood involved. We had the rookie, the the uh, undrafted rookie Clement from Wisconsin. Yep, they so, said he was going to get more touches, and he had that touchdown in the second half. So he played. So ball. yeah, Wentz wasn't asked to do as much, which I think you know we should kind of keep that in mind. Yet last week in Kansas City, he was kind of overburdened with with the call sheet. I thought a little bit, but I crucially because this was a rush play. Add this to the 193 rush yards but on that clock chewing drive we had that started at 403 left in the first quarter and we hammered it in with blunt at 929 in the second quarter so nine minutes and 34 seconds 90 yards and on that drive Wentz had the okie doke 11 yard scramble to keep it alive going into the red zone so yep. he he still uh showed his magnificence uh yet again uh, evading the rush and making plays with his feet but yeah, I thought a pedestrian pass performance, but he didn't kind of make this, the crucial boneheaded interception. No turnovers. Yeah, so it looks like they had 31 pass attempts and 39 runs. Yeah, okay. This is like a, a wing T offense from the 20s. <laughs> Love it. So they totally flipped the script today. You could see they they were wearing down the deep, the Giants defensive line at the end. They were just getting, you know, eight yards a pop, it seemed like, on every run, especially for that one to, to to have the tying field goal. And then we weren't happy with the play call, but then, you know, they had they got backed up a little bit there. But on third and seven, it seemed to be a kind of safe play call. And I was nervous with that forty six yard field goal, but it didn't come back to haunt them. And and interestingly, our stat sheet as a team, unrecognized, you know, 193 rush yards, uh, 161 pass yards I have. I think you had a little bit more. No nope, sacks. No, you're right, 161. I saw yeah. 176 somewhere else, but this is yeah. saying 161. Yeah, zero sacks, uh, which, you know, obviously we lost Cox in the second half. but And the Giants had kind of architected a game plan around just like running quick slants the entire game. The Giants had three sacks, so... They did it overall. They did a decent job of containing Wentz and not really giving up a big broken play. So for all the love we give them, the defense, you know, if they had lost this game, it would have been on the defense. They got 415 total yards. Most of that was in the second half, too. Yeah, 366 pass yards. Yeah. So to to Eli Manning, who at this point, you know, can't really, I don't think, be put into the anywhere near the. Elite he played really well today, though. Even in the first half, he had that one kick that was. You know, one on one coverage. It wasn't a bad. It wasn't a bad throw. Well, the one interception was the Kendricks one. That was a bad throw. But that was the only one. And Eli, Eli's done that throughout his career. But he he was putting the ball right on the money, especially when they started Beckham doing the Beckham thing, and then Shepard with that long touchdown pass play. Yeah, it's in- interesting. So I, you know, I'd like to go back to my 2016 team stats. But uh, going into this game, you know, we know the Eagles rankings last year: DVOA, offense 20th, defense fourth, special teams number one uh the Giants very similar in terms of like strengths and weaknesses offense number 22 overall last year defense number two special teams 
number 15. So I think, you know, in the first half, it was, it was kind of, uh, you know, defensively dictated and third down efficiency for both teams was a disaster. The Giants were 30%. Philadelphia was 31%. Almost like a, a, a climate, a climate problem in the second half where the, both defenses just got completely worn down in 90 degree heat. And yeah. then it completely <laughs> degenerated into like an offensive shootout, which is actually like, uh, you know, obviously super exciting to see. But I think if this game, if it was like 60 degrees, the, the score would have been 9-6. <laughs> My buddy texted me that he said, this game was made for radio when it was 14 nothing, And then as soon <laughs> yeah. as he said that, of course, it was like an offensive explosion. <laughs> yeah, totally. Carson Wentz, did he have a great game? No, but he managed the game. It was a, a total managed the game. They were definitely keying on the run this week. You know, like you said... <laughs> Doug Peterson probably listened to talk radio. I'm sure he but, didn't, didn't But he'll care. definitely pretend like he didn't. No, he, I'm sure he didn't care. I'm <laughs> sure they finally saw something. Wendell Smallwood, 71 yards. LeGarrette Blunt, 67 yards. And like you said, Corey Clement with 22 yards, including that touchdown. So, you know, really spreading the ball around, especially with Sproles going out. To see those three guys have a, a day like that is is pretty surprising, especially when you would think that the defensive line is, you know, one of the strengths for the, the, the Giants. So that was... Although I guess that's sort of true against the first two games, they kind of, the run was their weakness. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, usually I'm the Peterson hater, but overall I, I, I do give Peterson credit. The fourth and eight was a gigantic blunder and that nearly cost us the game. Uh, it would have had the Giants scored uh, at the end of the first half, but I think, outside of that so that's kind of classic you know Reedian peterson game management blundering but outside of that i thought peterson architected a really solid offensive game plan and on top of that in the fourth quarter when we did have to answer um the giants scoring onslaught he didn't move away from from the run and usually it feels like he degenerates into you know a pass happy attack but we we stuck at the point of the point of attack with those like delayed runs and uh to his credit uh dougie p excellent offensive game plan the other one of course of course that kills me third quarter uh 10 minutes left third and six on the giants 35 wide receiver screen to tory smith no game yeah i had that written down as well yeah but that turned, that, that turned into a missed 50, 52 yard field goal yeah but redemption Today we spell redemption, Elliot. And then G-Men had great field position all day, it seemed. They did, yeah. It was a fair criticism by Aikman to say, why are you taking Blunt out of the game? He's running the ball well, and then they, they're bringing in Smallwood, you know, who wasn't, who didn't start off well. I think that was a fair criticism to say, you know, why take Blunt out when he's obviously running, running the ball well. In the end, both both players played well, but from Aikman's point of view, I, I agree with that, that, you know, maybe in I'll, the beginning, uh, yeah. Laguerre Blunt, Give him, give him a chance to get, get consistent running down, So especially if he's the hot runner. Yeah, so I, I kind of had uh, – that's fair, although I did have so the two kind of pivotal plays. I, well, there were many, but a couple of pivotal plays I had written down that might have flown under the radar. Five for, 5.53 left in the game in the fourth quarter. We have the ball second and eight from our own 49. It's the pass interference call to Torrey Smith. But on that play, Smallwood's in the backfield and absolutely gets crushed on a bl uh, linebacker blitz pickup, but completely picks it up. And without that, 
uh, Wentz never would have gotten the throw off. So Smallwood also had an excellent game. But yeah, I think you're right. We could have seen more of Blunt in the run attack. Yeah, it was, you're right. Smallwood had a, a couple of really good blitz pickups. That He did that more than once today. So that, you know, they always say if you want to get it in the game as a running back, you better be able to pick up the blitz. And they did a good job of that today. Right. So that's a good transition. So what's your Ray Didinger impact play of the game? There's so many to choose from. So yeah, that, that was one that, that was like critical um, that I had written down. But I think the biggest play of the game was, you know, Giants on the half yard line at the end of the first half. And we had, we had laid into our friend Vinny Curry last week for missing Alex Smith on that third and four. But on the goal line stand, he's the one who totally blew up the interior push and I think created the, the goal line stop at the end of the first half. And that would have been, right, that would have been the 14-point swing we talked about we, where we missed Jeffrey and then the Giants came back at the end of the first half. So much happened since that play, though. You know, I, that was a big play, it seemed like, because it was such a huge stop, but so much happened. I have two... Of course, play of the game, impact play of the game is sixty-one yard, sixty-one yard field goal to win the game. Of course, yeah, I'm I'm trying to be clever, Matt. No, we both we both are because we <laughs> want to do Ray Didinger wouldn't do the obvious, and so in honor of Ray Didinger, we never do the obvious. I have two that I wrote down that I think really made a huge difference. The PI call on Eli, Eli Apple, mm, mm-hmm. totally thought that was a questionable call. Aikman, like I said earlier, said that was the right call. I kind of disagreed. I thought it was a good play, and I didn't think the ball was catchable. So that led that led to a field goal. And then the other play was third and two, Giants are driving, and it looks like we have 12 men on the field. And then oh, something yeah. I've never seen before, and even Aikman had said, I've never seen that before in all my years you know, watching and playing football. The offensive lineman grabs our player, and so it's a delay of game on the offense turns into a third and seven. They don't get the first down, and instead of driving for a touchdown because it didn't seem like our defense was going to stop them, they had to settle for the field goal. Yeah, and you know, crucially, I don't think our guy's getting off the field even with that, even if he hadn't been interfered with. I, I totally agree. Yeah, so we go, a gift from God there. Good, good going on the officials, even though – yeah, they they like would blatantly miss that one Peters false start where he jumped off the line five <laughs> seconds before everyone else. They had a couple of b- bad calls, either like calls that were totally fan or calls they totally missed. But yeah, good good for them for spotting that because that was the right call. And as we saw last week with KC, it's a lot different to go down seven late in the game than to go down three. Yeah, I also had down when obviously I was convinced the Eagles were going to lose in spectacular fashion. Although it didn't turn, you know, end up being the case, and you already alluded to this, but on the the uh, Giants, seven minutes left in the fourth quarter from their own twenty-three, and Shepard takes one to the house. Uh, Chris Maragos looked like a middle school backup <laughs> trying to make a play at free safety. Day for Maragos. I remember noting as soon as I saw him in the game on non-special teams, I said, oh man, we're in trouble now. Because oh, yeah. every time he's in the game when it's not special teams, we get we get annihilated. So funny. They, they talk about like interviewing Schwartz. They interviewed Schwartz and they interviewed Malcolm Jenkins. Like the sideline reporter is right. Malcolm Jenkins is like, we are paper thin in the secondary. <laughs> and Schwartz is just like, nah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, we're not gonna change anything that we're doing. Just a stubborn bastard. The the Fletcher Cox injury really, really seemed to change the complete dynamic of the defense. And like in like I said, 
Jordan Hicks. I feel like Jordan Hicks on the linebacking core, Fletcher Cox on the defensive front, and Malcolm Jenkins in the secondary. Those are the three guys. If one of them is out, it really hurts our defense. So it was on the goal line, Sam, this guy was in a few times. <laughs> I, I forget his name. He's like number 59. And he was the one going flying squirrel leap or flying <laughs> squirrel leap on the goal line stand. And we were both like, who the hell is that white guy? <laughs> yeah, that's when we realized that Hicks was no longer in the game. Yeah. Like, whoa. <laughs> Walker's his name. I can't remember his first name, but what? <laughs> What? I think it's it's like Joe Walker. It's it might as well be John Smith. <laughs> Joe Walker, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I looked it up. Yeah, second year player from Oregon. That's the kind of analysis you're gonna get here. Deep, deep analysis. Deep, deep. You can go to the Greg Callis, Greg Callis, uh, and uh, Fran Duffy for the deep technical analysis. <laughs> <laughs> you're not gonna find that here. Oh, by the way, yeah. I meant to tell you. So I come home late at night, and NFL matchup is on, and it's Sal Pal. And Greg Cosell, two people mm-hmm. I love. I love Sal Pal. I love Greg Cosell. Radio or when they're on their podcast, great analysis, great deep analysis. But man, NFL matchup is a terrible show. It is so boring and robotic. Never watch it. It's just like painful. So, you know, they do a lot of good things well, but NFL matchup is not one of them. Anyway, so speaking of that, why don't we go to our surprises? Surprise for me, Rosal Douglas was awesome, I thought. Um, well, the secondary kind of you know, takes a bullet in the second half as a, as a crew, but he ha- he makes a play on uh, when uh, Eli tries to take a shot one-on-one with Brandon Marshall and tries to victimize him. And he comes up and makes a play with the INT uh, late in the second quarter, midway through the second quarter. And then uh, with one minute left in the third quarter, Giants have it fourth and two on our, on our 13. And they try to run like a quick out route to Marshall and Douglas is on Marshall again and completely takes it away. And then Eli, I think like throws it over the middle and it's incomplete, but they were trying to hit Marshall so two two pivotal plays from uh Rosal Douglas I thought he he was he had another strong showing today yeah he he looks to be legit third rounder you know they were saying they were worried about his speed but they always said he had the size and he was a playmaker and you're seeing the playmaking ability I have to give it to Doug Peterson you know Doug Peterson has been getting crushed for not having a good run pass balance I said in the past I felt it was a bit overrated but today he clearly was dedicated to the run that made the big difference in the end when they came back the defensive line for the Giants was just exhausted you could tell and you know it, it finally paid off especially in the heat today so you know I think you have to give huge props to Doug Peterson, especially since he's always under the microscope and people like to say he's not a very good coach. He he did a he did a lot of a lot of adjustments that made a big difference today and they were never out of it. You know, even when it looked like the momentum, he's always seems to have a very positive attitude on the sideline. And, and you know, with that Philly crowd, you could feel it. You could feel it. You could feel it. That oh golly demeanor kind of gets him like, oh, he's not that smart. But in this situation, I feel like that demeanor helps that team because it keeps them calm because, you know, they didn't seem to panic. Wentz never seemed to panic when they're down seven, when they're down three late. So, you know, you got to give Peterson a lot of credit for having that kind of attitude of, you know, we're always in this. And and I do, you know, I, I no one microscopes that fucker more than I do. But <laughs> I do love that philosophically, like if it's between the 40s, um, we go for it on fourth down. The fourth and eight was stupid but fourth and short I like that he kind of has like a hard philosophy around going for it because you know the stats tell you fourth and short and midfield the trade-off is always in your favor you know over the long haul and uh, that was on display today and again he almost like you know learned from some of the mistakes he's made in the past where if it's late in the game and we're down we automatically go to 100% pass attack and he did 
stick to this vulnerability the Giants were showing being tuckered out. And also, I think just tactically, we stuck to the rush. And, and that's to Peterson's credit. So I agree. Yeah, the one criticism I had I mentioned earlier, they should have stuck with Blunt a little more consistently early. Sometimes I think he over overthinks it with what his original game plan was, and sometimes I think you can adjust earlier. That's the one yeah. thing, you know, but, you know, that's the Reed school of thought where you have your scripted plays and you pretty much stick to them. One of the but other... it wasn't as if he replaced them with running backs who weren't getting it done. Yeah, no, that's true. Well, Smallwood started off slowly, but then, yeah, he, he was running hard throughout the game and started to break some tackles. So that was good to see. Smallwood was was definitely, I had him 1A and 1B with Blunt is a pleasant surprise. You can add Clement in there with that big run for the touchdown at the end of the game. So all the running backs play well. Not as well as Saquon Barkley from Penn State. <laughs> I mean, that guy that is dude's unreal. unreal. That Iowa game, I just happened to catch the second half. That was unbelievable. I've never seen, I've never seen a running back performance like that in a long time. That was just Unreal. Anyway, yeah, back- should, we, should we just throw the season so we can draft? <laughs> no, I want to. I want my ten wins. <laughs> to your point about how many wins are we? I'm still sticking to nine and seven. The only thing that worries me about this game is I think the Giants are pretty bad overall as a team. But as they're- you said, an zero and two team that's tough to beat the zero and two team because they're desperate. Yeah, the zero and two Giants divisional game. They really needed it, and they gave us their best punch, and we absorbed it. So that was good to see. Obviously, I'm euphoric over the win, but I do think this is a Giants team that's – I don't know how they won 11 games last year, the, the way they've looked so far this year. Well, you know me. I've been saying – I'm going to toot my own horn here – that I've been saying I didn't, I didn't buy the Giants hype this season. No. No, I never did because I just thought with that offensive line, you know, if you don't have an offensive line, you're you're nothing. With the ultimate human blueberry, Ben McAdoo at the helm, <laughs> how much could you really accomplish? The other big pleasant surprise for for me was the entire national anthem scene. I know it's not quite on the field, but I thought it was a really classy the way the Eagles did it, all standing arm in arm. You know, Malcolm Jenkins has his fist up as a protest all the time um, but the entire team arm in arm you had them with you know police officers arm in arm you had Jeffrey Laurie the owner down there and then they brought in the General Wilson to do the national anthem who's done it in the past and does an awesome job and with the big flag there so you saw the patriotism with the protests you know in this age of Trump and all the things going on with Steph Curry and with him going after NFL players I thought the Eagles just nailed it yeah well, we love America and Philadelphia, so no surprise there. But, I, you know, the Eagles fans have not gone after Malcolm Jenkins for his protests. I, you know, I think the Eagles fans, if you do it in a classy way, they, they, don't, have, they don't have a problem with it, especially if you, you're still, you know, a hard worker on the field and you're a blue-collar kind of guy. They're, they're fine with, you know, you making a statement. But you got to do it in a way that, you know, feels comfortable. And I think they did it. Think, oh, yeah. I think e- the Eagles nailed it. Eagles fans, I think Eagles fans, they, they could care less about your politics. If you suck, they'll hate you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And Malcolm Jenkins is a good player. He could do whatever the hell he wants. Eagles fans, a lot of Eagles fans would get mad at the kneeling. You know, I, that's just my, my guess, you know, just knowing Eagles fans, but I feel, I just think the Eagles, the entire, the entire organization nailed it because it felt like patriotism. But if you wanted to protest, you know, that, you know, Lori gave them the avenue to do that. So, you know, kudos to the entire team, entire organization. Yeah. Agreed. On the, uh, 
So let's switch to the disappointments. I mean, it's hard to have disappointments in a game like this where it was just such a range of emotion. emotion. Like I said, a glass case of emotion. <laughs> when it, from winning to losing to losing to losing because we're Eagles fans to losing. And then somehow with a miraculous field goal kick never happens for the Eagles. We always say Eagles, mom always likes to say Eagles are cursed, but we can't be too cursed that we have a 61 yard field goal to win a game. But you know, I think the left guard position seems to be an issue still, but Wisniewski did a great job once he came in, really solidified, especially the run game. Yeah. And I also like Wisniewski's a guy who who seems to always be talking a lot of shit about how he should be starting. And he he, he definitely backed it up today. Yeah, because they tried to get Womack in there. And then I noticed he was on the sideline. That's when I looked him up. I'm like, oh, Wisniewski's in the game now. That's when they really started to flow with the run game. So if he's complaining about starting, he's from the three that I've seen, you know, they try to give it to the young kid, but he just didn't seem like he was ready. So, you know, Wisniewski seems like his job to lose now would be my guess. Yeah, my my disappointment Appointment, it was kind of it, it's hard in this game because we were so decimated by in- injuries my disappointment was you know Marigos sucked but like he's not a starter so I don't you know it's not really like I should have expected him to be great my disappointment was I felt like this is also hard too but Jalen Mills was on ODB so that's an impossible task and ODB was kind of back to his usual form today but just wanted Mills to make like one of those plays in the end zone uh, against ODB so it's it's kind of like a measured disappointment I'm not really disappointed it, it's kind of it's more just like a, a symptom of how decimated our, our starting secondary was and even our front seven that could kind of uh, cover up for some of that right without Cox and Hicks it was kind of harder to do those you know zone exchange blitzes and all the things we like to do on defense so not not a ton of critiques on like a, on, a, on an individual level I have yeah. several number one as I said earlier Carson in the deep throw he's got to improve on that as much as I hard Carson wins he's got to make those throws yeah you're not going to connect on all of them but he's missing too many guys that are wide open he's done it for three weeks now one game i can forgive three games it becomes a pattern he needs to be able to make those throws did he miss anyone last week he definitely missed a couple yeah he met he missed tory smith a couple of times oh he did yeah okay yeah, so that's something that he has to improve on. In the NFL, you can't miss wide open receivers. And he got away with it with the Ertz throw because Ertz was wide open and he threw it like McNabb used to do, like 100 miles an hour when you just need to get the ball in his hands when he's wide open. But luckily, he made an even more incredible throw on the next play. Yeah, in general, and to your point, it, that's what I was thinking today, right? So we, he misses Jeffrey. He's got to hit him. Against top flight, you know, playoff level competition, you have to put those daggers in when you have the opportunity, you know, coming off turnovers when we create them. Yeah. And that's where you make it happen. And that's, you know, good teams. That's that's how they win. The other big disappointment, I have two more defensive injuries. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially we know the secondary, but as we said, the front seven just got no pressure on the Giants in the second half. None. You know, that's that was the game plan going in. They weren't worried about the secondary so much because they thought they could still get enough pressure with the front seven. But Eli had all day in the second half. You know, Brandon Graham was our namesake. has had a great first two weeks. And sure, I'm sure the heat had something to do with it because, you know, with the injuries, you know, it, I'm sure it takes a toll. But no one really got pressure on the on the quarterback in the second half. The, Derek Barnett, the rookie, 
you know, after a good preseason, he didn't show much this game. Once once we hear from the experts when they go to the film room, we'll be interested to hear if they think any of those guys play well. But it just didn't seem like we were getting pressure, and that was our big advantage coming into this game. Yeah, and what, what worries me on that point is did the Giants kind of forward a blueprint for the, the rest of the league as, as to how you exploit our defense, you know, our pass rush? You just kind of go no huddle and just kind of hammer all these inside slant throws and that that's how you negate our pass rush by just going to an absurdly fast uh, passing pace well that's what alex smith was doing so there, that is the blueprint but sometimes we're just so good that we we force you know especially when we're healthy you know we we can still get to the quarterback especially when you know cox and jernigan are side by side but when one of them's out and especially cox is out just like the, the drop off is like off a cliff right so those were my big disappointments but like i said all in all you can tell we're 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 emotionally drained from this game it was just <laughs> i feel like i, I got to take a nap yeah i feel like i was in a heavyweight bout <laughs> Except all we were doing was sitting on the couch, sweating. <laughs> and as we always do, what is your ridiculously early season prediction now based on today's game? You you hinted at it earlier. Yeah, max max nine and seven. Reason being, I worry that our offense is not opportunistic enough. We're kind of always put on this pedestal because our defense gets turnovers. And you know, when our schedule gets tough, I think about, you know, like going to Seattle again. We're not gonna beat Seattle on the road unless we, you know we, we're able to generate turnovers and opportunistically hammer it home with our offense so you know Wentz has got to find that you know that dagger play and and be able to open up our deep our deep passing threats you know it's hard to say with this week because it was the heat the injuries we'll have to see how severe these injuries are hopefully they're not season-ending injuries by any stretch of the imagination it didn't seem like they were anything devastating this week but you know some of our best our best defensive player was out our second best defensive player was out. Um, I mean, Malcolm Jenkins is up there too, but two of our best defensive players are out this game. The Heat had a factor. You know, our secondary needs to get healthy because we said if Maragos is in there, once you see Maragos, we're in trouble. We yes. all know it. <laughs> Let's not pretend. I'm sure, he's a nice guy. He's a great special teamer. Yeah. But once, see, Mar- once Maragos is in the game, we're going eight and eight. <laughs> I bet no one gives more effort in the weight room than Maragos. He's doing more with less. We get it. Yeah, he's a he. He's a he's like a. Vince Papaya, you know, invincible, but yeah, he's not a starting safety in the NFL. Yeah, he might actually be Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah, he uh, might be. It might be the same person. <laughs> so anytime you see Marigos, we all know we're in big, big trouble. <laughs> yeah. Ten and, se- ten and six after this performance today, it makes me nervous, but hey, those are the kind of games where you look back at the end of the season, you know, that's how you get to 10 and 6 is you you win those miracle games. It's going to be a big test for the next week with San Diego on the road going across the country after an exhausting game like that. You know, that that game actually makes me really nervous. Even though the Chargers are 0-2, we'll see what happens against the Chiefs today, what they're playing right now as we, as we record this. That just makes me nervous because, although it will be pretty much a home game because it'll be 90% Eagles fans. Yeah, having said that, I think, to your point, 9-7, 10-6 could win this division easily. I don't, I don't see the Cowboys being better than 10-6 this year. Could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still early in the season, but they don't look like the 13-3 juggernaut they were last year. And I think they're, they're just more of a book on their offensive scheme now. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah. I, I totally agree with that. So with that, we're trying to shorten them up. We thought it was a little long last week. So that was, we're trying to make them a little, a little more compact. Just like our- Tighten, <laughs> tighten it up. Just like our emotions. We want them more compact. Not so high, so much high and low, more level. Yeah, but anyway, we level. But we appreciate your support. Again, Brotherly Love Eagles podcast. Give us a rating on iTunes. As we always say, that's what helps us get a bigger audience. And so far, you guys have been great. So keep the feedback coming, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Thanks a lot. Bye.